podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is Cameron Bale. I'm your host as always on our extra show and uh, we will be looking forward to uh, Saturday's trip to Perth to face St Johnson as the teddy bears are back in action. And uh, joining me on uh, this week's show is uh, a much needed ray of sunshine that I have uh, been clambering for over what has been a pretty long international break after the defeat against Celtic and that is my lovely friend Caroline Morrison. Caroline, Thank you so much for coming on Extra. It's much appreciated. You're welcome, Cammy. Yeah, I'll try my best. I'm not sure there's much positivity in, in any of the fan base at the moment, but I'll certainly try. Yeah, I mean, listen, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, it, it's been a long international break. I don't know about you, Caroline. I always feel sometimes, you know, two weeks without Rangers is two weeks too long, but it's... Um, it, it's created, I think, a lot of a lot of noise within the fan base after that defeat against Celtic at Ibrox, where the the manager has been scrutinised. There's been a lot of back and forth, I think, in terms of people uh, voicing different opinions. In terms of, you know, it's only four games into the season. It's only, you know, it, it, it's 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 very much, you know, the beginning, um, hopefully, of a of a successful campaign. Other people saying, yeah, but it's not a new problem. Um, there's been rumours of us approaching other uh, managers, which uh, you know I think have been kind of pretty swiftly debunked. With Rangers pretty much pricing themselves out of the market for any EPL manager that we may be looking for, because I think in the last couple of days uh, we've been aligned with Graham Potter, which again, like you say, is, isn't happening. Caroline, um, where are you at the moment? I know obviously we have had a couple of weeks to, to process that defeat against Celtic, and then probably assess it. You know our, our current stance. How are you feeling now about Michael Beale remaining as Rangers manager? It's a really tough one, actually, because I was as sick as anyone after that old firm defeat. Because it really felt as though it was an opportunity missed. We had as much as is possible in these fixtures. A bit of an open goal to while they were missing players, um, agitated with their own manager. And coming to our stadium with no fans, it is one of the best opportunities you've got to take points in that fixture. And for us to have fallen at that hurdle in a week where we had another important game that we didn't uh, we didn't kind of um, get past, it, it was absolutely sickening, of course. Um, I must admit, though, I wasn't clambering for his resignation entirely. I don't disagree with any of the completely accurate points that people have made with regard to not seeing the vision, not seeing the formation, not trusting his judgment when it comes to certain picks, Um, also the changes that you might see throughout the game don't always fill you with confidence. Some have absolutely paid off, and, and I'll admit that watching us this season I'll have questioned why on earth is he making those changes? For example, maybe Madondo coming on and then, you know, I'll have to go, well, fair enough, that was that was the right call. Um, but overall, just not entirely feeling comfortable with his picks. I can't disagree with any of that and I can't deny that I've felt the exact same way. 
However, on balance, I did think even after that old firm defeat and an absolute terrible week, I still didn't feel entirely comfortable saying, that's it, we need to to wipe the slate clean and start with someone new. So part of me is is thinking it's it's potentially the right thing that we had that break and we'll see what happens after it. But it absolutely is the case that unless he can go for a really significant, impressive run of games that win people over, and that in itself is almost seems um, unachievable. But if he's able to do that, great. If not, it very much feels like his first slip up is going to be what tips the balance. Um, I don't know if you agree, Cammy, but it feels like he's on borrowed time at the moment. I, I do agree um, with the majority of that. I think it's interesting because typically, again, normally within our extra show, we'll always look towards the, the immediate game. We'll always look towards you know the weekend or midweek game that's about to kind of come in. But I think that there is definitely a valid point to look towards the upcoming fixture list um, because there's a couple of games in there for me, Caroline, that um, I, I believe we've got to seriously consider as, as must-win games. And whereas last season, and listen, I understand post-Seville, we went into the Champions League thinking, yeah, we can, we can you know, compete against some of the teams and we get turned over. And, and I think I've spoken at times, not only in this show, but also on our Patreon site as well about, I, I think that, you know, when you're getting absolutely turned over by Liverpool and you're playing against far superior players, I think that there's a, a demotivation that comes into that. I think you get disheartened and I do believe it goes into your next game, which typically for us, obviously, would have been a league game. And, you know, I, I always think there's a two-way swing. We spoke about the build-up to Seville, and I think that we, we, we got into such a great place with that because we kept the feel-good factor going. Well, it works the other way. Now, for me, when I look at the, the upcoming run that we've got, so obviously St. Johnson on Saturday, we kick off the Europa League group stage at home uh, to Betis. <clears throat> then we're at home to Motherwell. Then we're at home to Livingston in the League Cup playoff. Now, there's an argument to be said that Michael Beale is one big game away from a potential sacking because the argument has been it's the big games for he's fallen short. And so I think fans listening to this, and, and again, I'm kind of keen to get your opinion on this, I don't think they will discount the Europa League from being a, you know like an expected win. I think that we will expect to go out there and perform well, hold our own, which was obviously difficult in the Champions League, but hold our own and give the fans some of the, 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 the performance that they want in, in terms of putting together that kind of collective run. But I am worried that the only way he is going to be able to turn the support, which is an exceptionally difficult thing to do now for him, is he's going to have to win all of these games. He's going to have to do it. And if the worst case were to happen, and I'm now I'm looking probably more towards the League Cup, because whilst I don't take it for granted, because I don't think in recent history we could afford to take trophies for granted, he should win the League Cup. Right, that's it, bottom line. We've got Livingston at home and then hopefully two trips to Hamden. We have to win it. And the main reason why I say that is because Celtic have been knocked out. So we should be default favourites, right? It's that simple. 
but I also expect us to do well against Betis. I know that's not easy. I'm not. I'm not suggesting it is, but I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts in terms of that cluster of games and 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 how does he keep it going? Because I don't know if the fans, I don't know if the fans continue to support him if he drops you know points against Betis. Certainly won't if he drops points in the league, and definitely won't if he gets put out of the league cup by Livingston. Yeah, I think that's an important caveat. I probably though, and maybe I'm, I'm not gauging the kind of support well here, but certainly from my perspective, Betis are, are are going to be tricky. There's no denying it. I think what's really important is the manner of the performance. I think the way we crumbled um, previously is not acceptable. Like we we can't have that defensive twenty minutes where it's just a shambles. We can't have that. We had that in the Champions League last year. We had that in our final qualifier game. I I don't want to see any more of that. I don't think there's any appetite for humiliation anymore in these types of fixtures. However, if there was a narrow defeat to Betis and it looks as though, you know, you can see the, the kind of the makings of a team that can begin to compete with, you know, um, mid-level European competition then that I think would suffice for me anyway I don't know if other people you know are are just beyond um, even accepting that you're absolutely right though I think any type of slip up in the league or the league cup and I can't see how he could return from that no I I don't I don't think he recovers from it one of the things as well just as we're, we're touching on uh, Europe has obviously, um, in the last few days, our European squad has been announced as well. I think the, the biggest talking point in there, Caroline, is, is obviously no Red Van Yilmaz. Um, again, I think, you know, it, it's been interesting to see where the manager's thoughts are on Yilmaz. Uh, not a cheap transfer. I think that there has been some good conversation, some good debate around what Yilmaz can bring because he's an alternate he's an alternate option to Borna Barisic Borna it has to be said has started the season very very well he has played well for Croatia there's talk at the moment which again I think has been debunked about contract extensions I think a contract extension if it was to be true for Borna would be fine with the premise that we're going to be selling him within that contractual period but Yilmaz missing I think is, is, is quite telling I I don't know why we're in a position then that if he quite clearly doesn't trust them, we are literally left with one left back now. And do we do we guarantee or do we do we think that Borna could last that that distance because it's a hell of a lot of pressure to put on him now? It's a really strange one. You you have to draw the conclusion that Beale is just not a fan of Yomas. And if that's the case why is he still a player at this point? Like during that, you know, transfer window, and I think there might actually be a few days left. I could be wrong of the um, the Turkish window. You know, maybe something's in the pipeline. But if if there are no plans to utilize Yomaz, then he shouldn't be in the squad really. Um, and not being in the Euro squads, it's a huge tell for that. But we we desperately need to have some competition for that left back space. I actually am I'm probably. I'm probably one of the people that likes Borna more than than most. I think that that he does offer a good return. He's certainly not perfect, and he's had a, a number of high profile mistakes. But um, 
I think he gets a little bit of a hard rap sometimes, Borna. But there's no denying that he has been left without any real competition for far too long. And I thought Yomaz did actually, when he came into the, the team, offer something different, something which also makes us a little bit less predictable against the opposition. Um, I, I didn't think that he completely set the heather alight. I don't think it was, you know, um, amazing. But I, I did like that different quality that he gave us, being able to cut in, find a pass, rather than, you know, what Borna offers, which is that pace down the wing and, and often a, a really good pass into the box. It's, it's different. Um, why Beale doesn't quite rate him and doesn't want to give him a bit more time, apparently, I don't know. But if that's the case, we need to try and recoup some, at least, of the money that we've um, spent on Yomaz and try to get real, credible competition to Borna, or preferably a long-term prospect in that position as soon as possible. I think, listen, I agree with you. I think Yomaz, Yomaz did offer something different, but I was talking about this to someone the other day, where it's also, if you remember, when we played Calvin Bassey at left-back, and what I liked about Bassi is Borna sometimes when he gets the ball into feet, and, he, and listen, I don't think we can criticise in any capacity Borna's, you know, crossing ability. When it, when he's on it, he's really on it. And sometimes he, he takes a moment just to set the ball before he places the cross in. And I think you need a little bit of of uh, alteration within that. I think you need to be able to try and vary it so that Bassi, for example, would come in and he would just sling a corner right into the like you know he would he would get on the end of a fast paced ball and then just fire it right into the uh, right into the box. I think Borna, if he has an option, will always prefer to stop and hold on to it and then, as I say, set it, place it in, and, tr- and try and get it with, with precision. And I'm not faulting that. We have had a lot of success out the back of that. Yilmaz, for me, always felt looked like he wanted to be able to try and cut inside, almost come into the 18 yard box with the ball, which again was a variation, right? So, you know, I think it's there. But all of that being said, I think for me, what I'm also really worried about is we're now in the guts, Caroline, of the proper fixture list. And from now until the turn of the year, really, we are midweek weekend, midweek weekend. That's a lot of minutes to rely on one guy who, as you rightly say, covers a hell of a lot of distance in the park. I don't have any concern, by the way. I'm not saying this about Borna's fitness. I'm not saying he's not fit enough to do it. I just think it's a lot to put on to a guy who, by and large, if we could look at some games where we could give him a bit of a breather, not play him or take him off after an hour, whatever. But we need to have a, a suitable candidate to go in there. So I don't know if he's maybe looking at putting Sterling out there. I don't know if he's maybe considering an alternative option like Divine or whoever, right, if he's looking at potentially one of the youths. But it's still a lot of game time and it's still a lot of, of time in there where we can't have someone who's been one of our best players of the season thus far tire so quickly because so much has been put upon him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there are um, there are options, but not strong options. I mean, if Echo would be another one, um, but, you know, given his age and, and the fact that we've just seen little snippets from him so far, I don't think he's someone who necessarily like you say with those midweek weekend fixtures you would um, feel completely comfortable with if it was a big game on the weekend after a big game um, midweek so it's it's tricky and I definitely think that's something that um, is a little bit disappointing that we haven't 
addressed sooner. And and Borna, you're right, he seems to, for the majority of the time anyway, um, have fantastic stamina. He is someone probably like Tav that we have overutilized in the last kind of year or two, but that can't go on forever. <laughs> and um, it, it does leave us a little bit exposed if he does pick up an injury. Yeah, uh, it picks up an injury. You know, there's people who have obviously questioned his confidence level sometimes. If he gets into a crunch, he, he, he can sometimes come off the park. We can be a bit of a knock. We, we obviously, you know, we, we saw that against Celtic and stuff as well. Maybe, and, and again, I come back to that two, two-way swing. You know, maybe if he's playing a lot of games and he's, he's in good form, maybe it builds his confidence, maybe it keeps him in there and it gives him a good chance against some... Um, some top tier opposition. Uh, you rightly said Betis are no fools. You know, theoretically could finish top of the group, but at the same point as well, we'll still have to play against better competition. And at Rangers, the simple fact is, you expect to go all the way in every trophy you go into. That is the basic standard. And Bon has been here long enough that he understands it. Let's say, let's uh, have a wee look then to, to Saturday afternoon, Caroline. You mentioned a little bit before. Um, a very good point, which I think has been discussed uh, pretty roundly by a lot of the fans around the style of play, the the, the system, what is the manager been able to try and get to. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does against St. Johnson because I think, my hope is, I think he realises now that that Celtic loss, coupled with the defeat against Kilmarnock at the beginning of the season, ha- has impacted, obviously, what we're looking to be able to try and do within the league. We've had a little bit of luck elsewhere. We can't rely on that. It's about him being able to try and come in with a style of play and a system that gets the most out of his players, gets the most out of some players who I don't think performed well against Celtic. So whilst we have an international break, I'd still be coming back to some of those players and hoping to get a very good performance out of them against St. Johnson on and, and Saturday. What are you looking for, first and foremost, in terms of how you'd like to see this Rangers team line up, how you'd like to see, I hate to use the phrase, the bounce back, but it has to be a bounce back because, you know, for the reasons you mentioned, we should have put on a much better performance against Celtic. I I think everyone's looking to see a really assured performance, a strong performance where I think we take a bit more risk. It is going to be one of those frustrating games where I think we'll see a lot of the ball, but we're going to have to, to... have that frustration of trying to to break a team down and it's not always a pleasant watch it can be frustrating at times but you want us to have that possession where we can you know take our time probe find eventually that opening that space where we can take advantage and ideally show our quality because you know recent form tells you that we should be beating St Johnston um and it's the type of game that you can't afford to drop points in. I, I worry as well how fans will react if within the opening stages of a match we're not seeing what the manager and what the players have said and committed to doing, which is bouncing back from this, working harder, delivering more for the fans. It's going to be really a slippery slope unless we start to see some turnaround and results really quickly. Um, even for the players, I know that Michael Beale is is the probably the centre of everyone's focus right now. But I think a lot of players are also finding themselves in the firing line where 
um, there's little frustrations creeping in and, you know, we're underperforming where we need to. So for me, I'm going up to, to Perth on Saturday. I'm a little nervous about it. I'm not going to lie. It's been a long two weeks and probably after the old firm game, I was delighted because I was roundly sick of football at that point. But the longer <laughs> the international... It never lasts. No, it, it never, never lasts. lasts. No, you're desperate for the next game because that's the point where either we can prove ourselves, we can start to see a little bit of a turnaround forming, or at least we've got that, if, if the worst were to happen and we don't perform well, we drop points. I think that's then the catalyst that's needed to make a complete change. And it's almost just whatever the outcome is, I want Saturday to happen and I want us to move on from it. Um, this waiting game that we've had to play in the last couple of weeks has been pretty torturous. Yeah, and if you, if you, you know, again, it's that old cliche, isn't it? You know, football was played on paper, etc. You'd look at St. Johnson and go, bottom of the table, a terrible start to the season, albeit they got the draw um, against that lot at Parkhead. But I honestly think that, you know, if, if Celtic had turned them over, I think Stephen McLean would have been out of a job. Um, I really do. Uh, and there's probably a part to this where they've, they've maybe had a little bit of a kind of, I suppose, a, a boost uh, from that uh, result at Parkhead because they would have expected they'd get turned over, right? Uh, they then drew at home to Dundee. They've got us coming. And whilst I don't want to fixate too much in what the other team are going to be thinking, you're talking about a team that's bought in the league had a little bit of a boost of confidence in recent results in the last couple of games that they've had. A manager probably fighting for his job. There's a little bit there of a mix of they should be vulnerable, but at the same point as well, what have they got to lose, Caroline? See, at the end of the day, if they're going out against a Rangers team with a degree of turmoil, could be some unhappy away fans if, as you say, we, we aren't, you know, Looking good, we're not. We've not started the game. The game brightly. We, if we concede, I think our fans turn on them really quickly. I, I honestly think it, it could be a, a a real coin toss in terms of obviously a Rangers team that goes out there to understand that it has to perform well. And I think St. Johnson now will just feel like if you're going to be able to try and have a go at Rangers, do so when they're when they're vulnerable and their fans are not happy. Yeah, and I think, like probably the Celtic game, there's not that expectation for them to go and take any points off Celtic. There's maybe not the expectation that they can, against Rangers, take points. Maybe there is after our last couple of games, but ordinarily there's certainly not that expectation from their fans that they can do that. But you're you're right to say that they should feel that they can give it a decent crack and they can try to frustrate us, try to take advantage of us at a little bit of a vulnerable moment, and I'm sure they will. It's really up to us to start with that pace and that pressure and not allow any any sniff of vulnerability to come into that, that game on Saturday. It has to be a really dominant performance, I think. Otherwise, like I say, I worry what the snowball effect could be. If we start slowly, if the fans are frustrated it opens up a little bit of, of a door for St Johnston to go, you know, we, we could be onto something here. And I just, um, I, I really don't want to see that. I'm dreading the, the prospect of that happening, to be honest. And truthfully, I don't think that will happen. I actually think that, I'm maybe too optimistic here, but I think it will be a straightforward victory. Um, 
and hopefully this won't come back to bite me, but I truly think that will be the case and it has to be the case. Listen, I agree and I know we're, we're probably, there's probably an element of this where we're maybe overthinking it and I understand that, but the reason as to why I'm saying that is purely because I need this Rangers team to, to give me the faith that this should be straightforward and I think that there's times where between the players and between you know the coaching setup, we are we're confused, and I think you know we are disappointed by what happened in the old firm game. I get that, but we have to use this now as an opportunity against an opponent that's bottom of the table. Again, like I say, it has not started well, but by and large, we should be able to dispatch pretty easily. I think the fans deserve it. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think that. Um, you know, we're about to, as we kind of rightly said, we're going to shell out, you know, a fair bit of cash in terms of home and away in Europe, in terms of the fans, um, you know, what they paid out of their pocket. I, I do expect us to be able to try and get by Livingston pretty pretty straightforward as well. And then we've got, obviously, the, the semi-final and the final at hand. And, um, and I'm, I'm just taking them one game at a time, right? I'm not, I'm not being blasé by saying that we've got a direct route to the final and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But for me, Caroline, I need to, I need this Rangers squad and manager to make sure that I feel confident about those run of games that they are up for that challenge and that's why I need some of these players to stand up and be counted to take the responsibility to make sure that these games are done and dusted early doors not a problem similar to what we saw at Ross County I mean not a problem didn't have to really shift gears never really got a punch landed on us that's fine but we have to get straight back to that now. We really have to use Saturday afternoon as an opportunity to, to to reaffirm that. Yeah, and I think, you know, in pre-season and at the very early start stages of, of the um, competitive fixtures, people were a little bit, um, they were quite forgiving of things like, you know, being a bit wasteful in front of goal, you know, misplaced passes, not quite looking like they were completely comfortable with each other because it was such a big rebuild. And there are players that have come in that maybe weren't playing as regular football as you would have liked. So I think generally the fans were fairly patient and we saw Beal make a lot of different formation changes, try things out. You'd expect that in pre-season in particular. But come the start of the season, there's only so much patience we can have. And you quite rightly, you know, called out players, you know, not by name, but you kind of mentioned a few players there that really haven't done themselves justice uh, with the, the opening performances we've seen from them. They've got a, a very short shelf life of being able to impress upon fans that they can be a valuable, you know, player for Rangers. If they can't establish that in the opening parts of their career, it's almost impossible for someone to to work back from that. So it's not just pressure on Beale, it's a massive pressure for uh, players that we've spent quite a bit of money on. Um, I know there's a bit of debate on exactly how much, but we've, we've definitely shelled out a bit of, of money on some of these players and we're not seeing enough from them yet. They've had an extra two weeks, um, you know, to soak up all of the pressure that's been happening online. And also they've had quite a bit of time to work on some of those things that we're seeing on the pitch that just aren't quite working out right. We need to see a big difference in that in this game. Yeah, and I think that's where there is an element of that. And again, I do come back to that idea that some of those players need to be able to try. And, and I understand the the, the, the revamp and the revamp. And Celtic did the same thing, by the way, right? I'm not suggesting for a single minute 
it would have clicked in straight away. And I don't think we've ever said that or, or had that kind of false expectation that minute one of day one that the, the, the team would come together. Because it takes time for players to settle. Do you know what I mean? I think he has to do... I think he does have to make changes. I'm probably the last man standing now for Cyril Dessels in terms of his inclusion because I do, I do still like him. Um, I'm not writing him off. I'm not writing any of them off now, actually, to be honest with you. But I would still play Dessels. I don't see a real harm in, in, in Lammers being involved at some point because I think against Celtic, he just looks tricky and he's he's maybe got that thing where I know his touch hasn't his touch is either great or absolutely shite and it's so weird because of the fact that you can see he's just trying to get into the game one of the things for me however is I think he needs to to get Danilo starting and that's going to be something which I think the fans want to see as well um I think his lineup's going to be really really interesting I think that, you know, again, like I say, within some of these players, some of them I think still have a little bit of credit in the bank in terms of, you know, the settling in period. But as each game goes on and they're coming thick and fast, that credit runs out. So they're going to have to start producing. But again, like I say, maybe I'm just being a wee bit too soft in some of those guys. Yeah, and I think Beal had that added pressure of, you know, we don't have currently a director of football. Um, he was completely in charge you'd think, of the purse strings over the summer. He should have got either the the first pick players that he wanted or his second choice. I mean, he really probably was in charge entirely of um, recruitment. So to have spent such a considerable amount on Danilo and to have seen so little from him, and also, you know, Dessers, I'm a bit like you, I I think that Dessers has shown flashes, but his finishing, um, he's had quite a few open goal opportunities and you know one or two is frustrating kind of three or four and you know it's, it's getting the, the, a bit the one that he, the one that he should have the one that he should have slipped in the Dacers against Celtic was absolute bread and butter do you know I mean that's yeah. that's real basic stuff yeah and Lammers exactly the same I mean I, I at you know with the Celtic game I didn't appreciate that he had such an open goal opportunity to score and, and looking at the stills back, and I know the stills are a wee bit unfair because it doesn't, you know, allow you to appreciate probably the pace of the game and, and things, but the optics aren't good. And it just, again, adds a little bit of extra focus on players to to where we need to see a marked improvement. So I, I truly have no clue what our forward line is going to look like on, um, on Saturday. I, I'm not entirely sure what he's going to do but I, I, I would agree that I think there's a general impatience and just overall people feeling a little bit irritated that we, we can't understand why Danilo seems to be not given a chance when our starting forwards are not delivering. Yeah I, I think that's fair I think he wants to be able, and I think that this is this has been interesting in terms of his recruitment when he's come in because I do give him some leeway around the fact that he hasn't had a sporting director. I don't imagine that was what he expected, you know, within his first 12 to 18 months at Rangers because we knew he had a relationship with Wilson. Um, he, he was expected to be able to try and come in, probably work under him for a good foreseeable period of time. Wilson obviously then left, etc. He's went into it. And, you know, listen, I understand I understand the board's position. I think it's also when you look at guys like Sifuentes, 
who the manager was really keen to have. And we took the more expensive option and obviously brought him in for the start of the season. Now, again, this is nothing to do for me right now in terms of those players still settling in to be able to try and come into it. I think that he's been given at least the vast majority, if not all of what he wanted. And I think that the fans and the board have got a right to turn around and say to him, okay, so we've given you the tools. It's on to you now to set up a system to be able to implement it to its most efficient, ruthless way of working. Because again, like I say, you're going to have to have some sort of blueprint with what we want because the last manager didn't. And the fans now see through it. We're all laymen, by the way, right? None of us here are, you know, experts in football like to the degree that Michael Beale, you know, has got his, his expertise in. We're all laymen. But what we do want to be able to try and understand is what the system is he's trying to put out. If you can't answer that question, then he's not going to last long in that job. No, I mean, football generally, of course, is a results-driven game. At somewhere like Rangers, you know, multiply that by 10 it, it's entirely down to what we win and for a long time we've not won nearly enough and the pressure I would say is is absolutely boiling point for any manager that comes into Rangers where as well we've been starved of real kind of um, success in terms of trophies and there's not long for someone to to turn that round before once again I think we're um, we're going to be a little bit more on the impatient side than under different circumstances. Um, I think it's important to note as well that I would love for us to get just a tiny bit of breathing space because Celtic did not perform fantastically in that old firm game. It wasn't as though they blew us away. I think that we kind of gifted them that victory and we gifted them the opportunity to kind of, you know, feel like they'd asserted some kind of dominance over us. I don't think in reality that was the case. I didn't think they looked particularly strong we sat back off them an awful lot, gave them a lot of time on the ball, allowed them to go grow in confidence in that game. Um, and they've probably been riding a bit of a crest of a wave since then. But let's not forget, that's a complete 180 from how the fans felt and probably still to a certain extent feel about Brendan Rodgers. It won't take much. And Celtic have, as, as Laura Clark, I think, pointed out, a real tough run of fixtures coming up. I want us to maintain as much pressure as we can so that if there is a slip up on the other side of the city, um, we can maybe see the, the balance shift a little bit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'll probably say what I reckon everyone listening to us is thinking, which is that's all good, but it's, it's you know, to your point, it's, it's down to us to do that first. And there's probably an element of that where, um, you know, we talk about things like scoreboard pressure, if Celtic are going to be playing Wednesday, Saturday, we are playing... Thursday, Sunday, then, you know, let's go in the assumption that they are going to win their games before we play and therefore we have ground to make up. And I don't think, and I, I know you're not saying this, I know nobody listening to this is thinking this, but we can't get ourselves into a position where we're having to rely on them to be able to make mistakes because it's still September. Do you know what I mean? There's still a lot of football to play. And I think that it, it's it's perfectly valid because we mentioned obviously you know when they played St Johnson at home but we need to be able to try and go and, and have a degree of assertiveness that's why I use the word ruthless early on because I want fundamentally I want teams to be afraid of us I want us to go out with a degree of aggression and and bloody mindedness that you can go out and, and 
I want teams beaten before we've even kicked a ball. That's that's what I think everybody wants. And I think, you know, by and large, we've had, we've got a good core group of players. I think we signed two great players in Cantwell and Raskin um, at the beginning of the year. I think that we've bolstered that with some decent signings, uh, some of whom are still to make their mark, right? So I'll just put it out there because, you know, as I say, they're certainly under some scrutiny at the moment. So therefore, it's down to us. It has to be what we do. And Celtic can do what they do and they can make their mistakes. But I think it's a great point, Caroline, because we did mention in the build-up to this, you know, they were not happy with Rodgers. They were not happy with that draw against St. Johnson. And and I do think that, you know, their, their you know, platform can wobble a little bit if they get a couple of hefty defeats or, you know, certainly drop any more league points as well. Yeah, and like you say, we have to run our own race. We can't look too much to to the other side of the city, but I would love for us to maintain that pressure and not not gift them another um another easy title race because there there's yeah, there's no stomach for that with any of the, the Rangers support. We have to maintain pace and ideally take advantage of any slip ups if they occur. Yeah, and listen, I think that you know, it's 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 what we've said already. It's down to us. We need to make sure that we're taking care of our own business. And by and large, I think that the players have now got a response. And I hate saying this because I don't want to feel entitled as a Rangers fan. But right now I do because I don't think that team's performing anywhere near its capability. I don't believe that the manager, you know, is, is performing anywhere near as well as he would like to do so as well. So there's definitely work to do. Um, and, and I think, you know, like I say, that all starts again on Saturday afternoon. Caroline, you've really cheered me up. I don't mean that in all honesty. I knew that if I got you on, I'd start to get a little bit of the kind of the, the the juice flowing again because you'd get the battle fever going back into me. And now I've went from a point of I could have seen Saturday far enough to actually now I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you for coming on and, and, and reinvigorating my passion of being able to try and go back into it because now I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what we do on Saturday. Oh, you're welcome, Cammy. Yeah, to be honest, as it's getting closer to Saturday, I am looking forward to to going up to, to Perth. A little bit nervous, I can't deny, but um, like I said earlier, I do think this will be a comfortable weekend for us, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if it's not, you're never coming back on the show again. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Folks, thank you very much for, for uh, joining us today. Uh, we obviously have our Patreon site, uh, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, if you want to jump over, you'll hear loads and loads of brilliant content. We've not missed a beat during the international break. We've had uh, some some great shows making their debut. Some um, older ones been able to try and make a wee bit of a return and a, and, and a reformatted guys. And it's been absolutely brilliant being able to try and, and speak about Rangers even when we do have that break. You'll be able to hear loads more stuff from brilliant podders like Caroline and a whole host of guys across there who work tirelessly to be able to try and bring us in some really great varied content and you can get that from as little as £2 a month so why not jump on over and check out um, our thanks to our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Paul Myers also please head over to our show sponsor Zenith Coins uh, they are the official coin supplier for Rangers they also make some lovely heart and hand ones um, which I'm still to get, by the way, and I'm worried that David Edgar has given mine away. Caroline, did you receive one? I didn't actually, but well, well reminded. I'm going to actually ask Colin about that. I'm sure he's got the the kind of pile of them. So uh, if it's oh, has he? Right, it's that's even easier. I think so. Yeah, good because <laughs> I'm not reminding David Edgar anymore because you tell David something, he immediately forgets it. But 
David will be back with you on flagship because he will remember to do that on Monday. Uh, and he'll obviously be going through uh, the St. Johnson game and then looking forward to our Europa League group stage kickoff um, against Betis at Ibrox during the week. Thank you for listening, folks. Caroline, thank you again for coming on. It's been a delight to talk to you as always. Yeah, thank you very much, Cammy. Enjoy the game, folks. If you're heading up, bring us back three points, please. It's much needed. Uh, and then let's get back to business, Rangers. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.